everybody. All right. I think it was about three weeks ago I uh, was sharing a lesson. Uh, oh, I started out and mentioned something about the Chosen series that's on about how in that depiction of, of that, uh, you know, story of Jesus and his, uh, you know, earthly ministry, how he, he cast demons out of Mary Magdalene, which you see that in Scripture, of course, uh, seven demons, actually. Uh, and uh, in that, in that uh, TV series, uh, Nicodemus uh, was one who had attempted to cast demons out of her. That's not in the Bible, but they built a backstory, and yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, he saw her later, and she was healed, and he thought it was from his efforts. And Mary said, no, it wasn't you. It was someone else. <laughs> He didn't, you know, he wondered, how did that happen, you know? She said, I was one way once, but now I'm completely different. And it was because of him, Jesus. Now, so we built on that a little bit, and we talked about demons. We talked about demon possession. Uh and in that context of the lesson last time that I was sharing, we looked at some passages that talked about how really all of us, because we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Ephesians chapter 2, there was a time in our lives, if you're of accountable age, you were walking according to the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Paul made it clear, we've all done that in the past. It's all part of the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus since the foundation of the world. You know, the idea of grown-up people of accountable age ultimately sinning it's not just a kind of a random thing that happens to some people and other people it doesn't happen to. No. It happens to everyone. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what the good news is all about. That's what the gospel is all about, that people can be born again, start all over, and this time do it right. With God's help, of course. Radical transformation, though. Radical transformation. Uh, it's not going to be... It's a journey. It's not going to be easy either, by the way. But I'll tell you what, going through this world without any hope, without Christ in your life, it ain't easy either. And I think most of us that have been there and done that know that was not the easy life. Now, if you have escaped... Paul said that the Christian people are not to strive with other people, people of the world. We need to be patient. We need to be able to teach in meekness. We need to instruct them. If God peradventure would grant them repentance so they could come to the knowledge of the truth and escape 
the snare of the devil who have been taken captive by him to do their will. That's what you see in Ephesians 2. So that 2 Timothy 2.24 is telling us that's where people are at. But if you're a Christian, it means you escaped. Somebody must have come to you. Someone must have labored with you patiently. Unpackaged in the scripture brought you under conviction that brought you to the conclusion, I need this. Here's water. What hinders me from being immersed? Once you're a repentant individual coming to this understanding that you get this opportunity, that's what you see people did in the New Testament. They wanted to be immersed for the forgiveness of their sins so they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which provides strength in the inner man so you can overcome the deeds of your body. Wow, what a plan. Well, guess what happens after you've escaped? You think the devil just says, oh, darn it. They got away. Lost that one. No way, Hosea. He goes berserk. He has great wrath, Revelations 12 said, because he knows he has a short time now. There is a spiritual temple being built, according to Ephesians chapter 2. A spiritual temple. Jew and Gentile, now one. Middle wall separation been removed, according to Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. And now we, those who were afar off, us Gentile types, are now built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, says the whole building is now being fitted together as a dwelling place for God and the Spirit. Satan understands what's going on. He's got to get you back and shut you up. Because he knows if you bring in another one of them living stones, as Peter describes us in 1 Peter 2, you're living stones. He said the same thing Paul said, built up as a spiritual house for God. The prophecy of Isaiah said, bring them in from the east and the west and the north and the south. Don't hold them back. Bring them in. That's what's going on with go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what you're doing. I know sometimes I got going here and uh, uh, I want to take the time. That's Isaiah 43 for those of you taking notes. Fear not, he says in verse 5 down through verse 7. I am with you. Bring your descendants from the east. I will bring your descendants from the east. Gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up to the south. Don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Go ye, Jesus said, into all the world. Preach this good news. Bring them in. Bring them in. Mark 16, 15, and 16. If they believe it, they must be saved. If they don't believe it, be condemned. All right. The devil knows what's going on. So if you escaped, he wants you back. Now, I think last time we shared, you know, like in 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter said, be sober now. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, Peter said, steadfast in the faith. You're going to need it. 
That's how Paul describes in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Yeah, you're going to need to put on the whole armor of God in order to stand in the evil day against the schemes of the devil. He said, you ain't fighting print, uh, flesh and blood. He said, you ain't fighting Putin. You ain't fighting Chinese. You're fighting against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Woo! Man, do you realize how sci-fi that sounds? Is that what Christianity is all about? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Now, the verse I'm going to start out with, I guess I quoted a couple, but I'm going to start with, you can turn, I guess, to Matthew chapter 12. I'd like to just throw out some background, bring to your remembrance what we might have covered before as we segue now into today's focus so we talked about you know that's one of the things you do see when you read the gospels is jesus had power to literally cast demons out of human beings i think we mentioned last time a demon needs a host it don't like going through dry places gee whiz i mean when he cast them demons out of legion man uh, there was some pigs nearby, and those demons were so freaked out that they didn't want to go into the abyss. So they saw these porkers over here, and they said, how about sending us into the pigs? Yowzers. I mean, when you think about it, that abyss must really be bad if going into the pigs is preferable. He said, Go. Well, off they went. Well, they said there was 2,000. You know, they talk about biblical proportions. You know, it's not like it was five or six pigs over there. 2,000. And then pigs took off, man, went right down, ran down the steep hill into the surf, man, and drowned. And boy, They would rather go anywhere than in the abyss, even into the pigs, because they need a host. So the verse we want to start out with here, uh, Jesus says what happens when a demon gets cast out. It's in Matthew chapter 12. You can start in verse 43. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. In other words, when it says seeking rest, he's not looking to take a nap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's just something about this is terribly uncomfortable for them, and they are compelled to find a host. They need to find a host. There must be a sense of torment for them to not have a host. And finds none. Verse 44, Jesus said, here's what the demon says. I know what I'll do. I'll return to my house, my host, from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state, Jesus said, of that man is worse than the first, and so shall it be with this. What wicked generation? Now, he's describing what happens at a local level with an individual, but now he's looking at the world. He's looking at once this, which came into the world, the Christ, the light, 
So men didn't have to abide in darkness? No more. This is, this is what all the prophets were foretelling. He's coming. All the way back, if you can see it right there, even in Genesis 1, 3, the let there be light. God called the light day, the darkness night, evening, morning, first day. It's the Apostle Paul that unpackages that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and tells you that that, quote, let there be light, that light, what he's talking about, that's the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ that would be shining, in, or glory of God that would be shining in the face of Jesus Christ coming to a theater near you. From those prophecies of Gen, all the way through the scripture was foretelling the coming one, the Messiah, who came according to Galatians 4.4 in the fullness of time. Christ came into this world in the fullness of time, born of a, wo a woman, to redeem those that were under the law. See, so this is the eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll get to it later, but I'll mention it to you now. Ever since Christ came into this world, the clock is ticking. God is working something. And we've already mentioned just briefly a second ago that he's building something. And what it's called is the temple of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. All these different ways that it is described in scripture of the kingdom of God. Okay, now it's made up. You know, people refer to the church, right? And most people know the church isn't the building. I guess maybe in some people's belief system, the church is the building. This is not the church, this building. We are the church. The church is made up of people. People called out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Redeemed. The firstborn. Jesus being the firstborn. God's special people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, as Peter describes the Christians. So God is working something there. From that time, when the first gospel message was preached in Acts chapter 2, and the Lord was now adding to the church daily those being saved, according to Acts 2.47, this thing is under construction. But it has an end. It has an end. Now, you know, fundamental to Christian teaching is the second coming. Really, see, the first coming of Christ was not Jesus in a manger. That's not the first coming. The first coming is when he began his ministry here after the baptism of John. And he has a second coming. Now, he ascended to glory after his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, once then that had occurred, that stone was laid in Zion, the chief corner stone upon which everything else would be built, the church would be built. Now, the focus is on his ministry Three and a half years on this earth. Not from the time he was in the manger. Now sometimes what you'll see 
Like in Daniel 7, I think chapter uh, 12 for sure, I think in maybe even maybe chapter 11 it makes a reference. And in Revelations chapter 11, 12, and 13, you are going to see a time frame referred to as a times, time, half a time, 1260 days, 42 months, three and a half days. All of those are equivalent. Those are symbols. A prophetic month in the Bible is 30 days. A prophetic month, like when you read the Genesis account about the flood of Noah's day. The months were 30-day months. I know today we got 28 days in February and 31 and all the others. Biblically speaking, prophetically speaking, 30 days. So... When you do the math on it, three, well, times, time, half a time, that's a times a year, times, that's two, and a half a time is a half a year. Three and a half years is equivalent to 42 months, equal to 1,260 days. So these are equivalents. What's that to depict in the book of Revelation? The church age. The church age. Times time, half a time, 42 months, 1260 days. Now, he's coming back. But he ain't coming back until this temple is completed. Made up of living stones of people from all over the world, north, south, east, and west, bring them in to sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The devil knows what's going on and he knows that when it's complete it's not a day on a calendar even though it will be a day on a calendar that's not what's driving it completion is what's driving it and he knows when that last living stone is brought and placed because the Lord knows those who are his and Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour only my father and when that last living stone is harvested and placed into the temple matrix, the sky will explode with a tremendous noise. The elements will be on fire and melt with a fervent heat. Jesus said in what Luke twelve forty nine, I have a fire to kindle on this earth. And oh, how I wish it was already kindled. He's not into this. This is necessary. He wasn't into the Old Testament stuff of offering the blood of bulls and goats and animals. God had no pleasure in those things, it says. It's necessary, though. It's all part of it. Got to build this thing. Got to set it up. Got to carry it out. The will of God was to be done. Jesus is ready to get this thing burned up, man, because he gets the girl. And the devil be in the lake of fire. He wants to take her home. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. When the end comes, he delivers the kingdom up to the Father, his bride, the church. Mission accomplished, sir. Brings the bride home. Devil's done. It's destroyed. Heaven is now at peace. You see, the church is Zion. The church is militant. The church at war. That's what you see in the Bible until it's done there's a lot going on here man 
So the early church faced extreme persecution. Ever since the first century, when that first gospel message was preached, you don't have to turn too many pages, man. Stephen is getting stoned by Acts 7. They're bashing his brains out. Who's doing that? God's people. When I say God's people, I mean the Jews. Jews went berserk on Stephen, man, and stoned him to death. And Saul, some guy named Saul, they were, he's guarding their, their coats while they're stoning Stephen, consenting unto his death. Of course, you guys know who that Saul becomes, the Apostle Paul, because he didn't know what the heck he was doing. But the persecution, it says in Acts 8, was so strong, man, the people were scattered everywhere, man. Where were they scattered to? Were they running for their lives and hiding in dens and caves of the earth? No, it said they went everywhere preaching the word with boldness. Man, the devil is going berserk. Do you realize that under those Caesars, those are Roman emperors, the stories are horrendous of what they did to the Christians. Now, mind you, for 300 years until Constantine legalized Christianity. Not that he was such a big believer. They say his, his mother had more actual belief, more faith, and I'm not exactly sure to what understanding she would have even had. Queen Alina, my understanding, you know, Constantine was the emperor from 306 to 337. My understanding is he, when he got baptized, he died the next day. He was friendly towards Christianity, but you know how, how spiritual was the man? I don't have any idea. But 306, for 300 years, you want to hear stories about Nero, Domitian, Trajan, and what they did to Christians? It was brutal. Now think about it. What am I saying? Hear all this great news and this beginning of, of God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus and all the joy and people becoming born again. The church was growing, boo, boo, boo. But the persecution was right on. Where was that coming from? The devil was making war with those who had the testimony of Jesus and kept the commandments of God. Revelations 12, right after he got cast out of heaven, when Christ was lifted up to God in his throne, the devil went berserk. Demons. Know this, though. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Don't ever forget that. It looks like this world. The Bible says, 1 John five nineteen. the whole world lies under the influence of the wicked one. And you see it in spades. All over the world. Gee whiz, we were doing a Bible study yesterday with some Belarusians, Ukrainians, and Oleg told me, Steve, you know, I mentioned you, uh, young Yulia to you guys. She's a mom that has a severely, severely disabled son. And man, she was like, this is before the war. She was ready to like end it. We got her a tablet over there so she could join the Zoom study. And she's been going through stuff ever since with that war with Ivan, little Ivan. He gets so scared because he doesn't understand. He's mentally disabled and physically disabled. Now he's like about eight or nine. 
uh, Oleg said Steve Uli was going to join, but she messaged me and said that the rocket started coming. She grabbed Ivan, and she was trying to get to the basement. She's got to, like, carry him. And she grabbed the tablet because he'll entertain. He can watch cartoons or something like that on the tablet, and it keeps him from being so scared. And she fell, Oleg said, and busted the tablet, shattered the glass. I said, just, Oleg, find out what she needs. We'll get her another tablet. That darkness just won't stop. The bombs are coming. That we got uh, the earthquake killed what? 37,000, I think the number's up to in Turkey and Syria. It's incredible. Like Jesus said, wars, rumors of wars, pandemics, famine, earthquakes, he said in various places. He said, This is not the end, this is the beginning of sorrows. As bad as that is, that ain't the end. Jesus said, no, that's the beginning of sorrows. That's our world. The God of this world is the darkness. He called us out of the darkness and into the light. Okay. Jesus was accused of being the prince of demons. Bell, Bell's a bub. What I want to say right now is you've got to understand something. In the first century... Well, let me say this. This is what we need to understand. Ever since the beginning of time with human beings, the darkness has prevailed in this world. Demons, demonic gods, Baal, Astroth. I mean, gee whiz, if you want a list of these things, if you go to 1 Kings 11... Well, actually, I don't want to go there right now. You were going to go there. You can grab it if you want to because I want to fit it in where I want to fit it into my lesson here. All right. Do you realize that only Israel, the descendants of Abraham, were the only people? Remember he told Abraham, Genesis 12, I'll bless all the families of the earth through you, Abraham. But first, your people, your descendants are going to go into captivity for 400 years, and I'll bring them out with a mighty hand. Now, he's referring to Exodus. He's referring to Moses is coming. So this really is about, I don't want to get off into Abraham right now, but we're the descendants of Abraham through Isaac. If you're in Christ, that's what he says. We'll keep moving, though. You need to realize the whole world, they had idols. They all worship demon gods, always did. That's what people did. They did not have anything from God until Moses in Mount Sinai. That's the first time any uh, humans, any nation, ever had anything written down from God was from Mount Sinai to Moses. And it was only for Israel for 1,500 years. But there's where all your prophecies are in there concerning the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, God's eternal purpose. Well, so that was common. Terah, Abraham's father, was an idol worshiper. They all were. What else are they going to have? Okay. Now what I want you to see is in Acts 14, and we're going to go to Acts 17 real quick. Acts 14 uh, the Apostle Paul is going with Barnabas, and uh, they see a crippled man, and then they uh, 
they, uh, they heal him. He jumps up, and the people are shocked. They said, whoa, the gods have come down. See, it's very common. That's how they understood things in their world, that there were gods, all kinds of gods, the pantheon, pantheon of gods. It's Acts 14. Paul said, verse 10, with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. He jumps up. He's walking. The people, when they saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, oh, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen, garland, and gates to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitude. But when apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes, ran amongst the multitude, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you, and preach you, you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. You see that? In bygone ages, God allowed that to go on. He allowed it. And that's the way it was. And they had names for all these gods. The idol itself wasn't a god. It was what was behind it. And it was the power behind it. Now, one more. If you go to Acts 17. Now, look what they even said. The temple of this Zeus was right outside there. This was common. And everybody understood it. In Acts 17, Paul's coming through Athens, Greece. That's a pretty important city. And he's just overwhelmed by what he sees, all this idol worship. Men of Athens, verse 22. I perceive you guys are real religious. As I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And he begins to unpackage the one and only true God, the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in it. Same thing Paul said in Acts 14. One God. Now, those other gods existed. I mean, we're talking demons, though. Understand? In him, verse 28, we live, we move, we have our existence. Some of your own poets have said that. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the divine nature as like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art of man's devising. Now, truly, the times of this ignorance, God what? Overlooked it. Allowed it. But now commands all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained. He's given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead when they heard that they mocked. Okay. Now I said I was going to give you that list. A couple things. When men don't want to retain God in their knowledge, he gives them over to a reprobate mind. That ignorance is where they default to. That's where they all were at. Uh, let me give you, I'm going to go to Judges first. Let's go to Judges first. Then we're going to go right into 1 Kings. In Judges, Joshua, I keep backing up. Joshua told them, 
don't be worshiping them idol gods. And they said, oh, we're not going to do that. We're only going to worship God. That's the end of the book of Joshua, like Joshua 24. He's telling them, you can't be worshiping these idols. And they're like, no way, we ain't going to do that. Okay, now Judges 2, for time's sake. Look at verse 10. Judges 2, verse 10. When all that generation of Jews, God's people, that had just gone through all that taking the land of Canaan, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, it says, that another generation rose up after them, who what? Did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did what? They served the Baals. Who did? God's people, the children of Israel. They served the Baals. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods among the gods of the people who were all round about them. They bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord, served Baal and Astroth. They just got done saying they would never do that. I'll just give you that. I told you it's Joshua 24, verse 19. Joshua said to the people, You can't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods like Baal and Astaroth, the Canaanite God, and he'll consume you. He'll do harm to you and consume you. And in verse 21, the people said to Joshua, No, we, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, that lasted a long time, didn't it? Right away, they're serving who? Those gods of Canaan. Now, Astroth, really that is a god from Mesopotamia. The, she is Ishtar. The Canaanites called her Astroth. The Greeks called her Aphrodite. The Romans called her uh, Venus. The patron... God of prostitution, temple prostitution, homosexuality, and war. Sometimes she's depicted as a statue. She is a female with male qualities. She is a male with female qualities. A lot of times she's standing there with a sword, God of war. Believed to be married to Baal. I mean, that's what different belief systems of some of those people, that she was his wife. Baal is the big evil God, right? And that's who God's people started serving. Now a list, because guess who else started doing that? If you can believe it, Solomon, David's son. And David warned his son, if you ever turn your back on God, he will destroy you. He will cast you off forever. And it says here in 1 Kings 11, in 1 Kings 11, King Solomon, verse 1, loved many foreign women, well, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites, nations of which God said, don't ever do that, don't marry them. They'll turn you away. They'll turn your heart away to their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. 
Verse 4 says, And it was so when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart after what? Other gods. His heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, as, the, as was the heart of his father David. Look what he does. Solomon went after Astroth, we just mentioned, that's Ishtar, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Milcom is actually Molech. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as his father did. Then Solomon built high places for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Solomon did that. David warned him, you ever turn your back on God, he will cast you off forever. The wisest man that ever lived wasn't too smart to do such a thing as that. The point is, those gods have always been there. They were always there. And they're still here. They were driven out by the light to the margins, to the back alleys, the red light districts, but they're still here. And Jesus made the point, it was the point of my lesson, we're going to keep going here. When that wickedness is driven out, it goes through dry places seeking rest. And when it finds out, it wants back. And it will come back and check and see how things going. Comes back to that host and finds that place swept and put in order. It's empty. Moves in. Taking seven other demons worse than the first. The second state of that man, that nation, that world will be seven times worse than it ever was. It's been well brought out ever since what I already mentioned. I'll just turn you there right there in Romans chapter 1. Think of where our nation is at right now. We, in our founding documents, we did respect God and the Judeo-Christian ethic. And for many, many years, that's the way America was. The rest of the world was crumbling. Europe fell long before we did. But now I cannot even believe what's happening in this nation so fast. So fast. Look what's happening. If the wrath of God, verse 18, Romans 1 and 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress truth and unrighteousness. You guys know as well as me, when you look in Revelation chapter 13, after the dragon makes war now, with the, with, uh, the church after he'd been cast out in chapter 12 he only had to deal with one thing he'd been waiting for since Genesis 3.15 and it was the coming of the Messiah once Christ arrived and defeated him through death it says Jesus through death defeated him and had the power of death that is the devil he, he was broken he lost Jesus said, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now the judgment of this ruler has come. He said that in John 12 when he said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all the nations to me. That's when that took place. Now it says he has great wrath in Revelation 12 because he knows he has a short time. So he makes war with the woman that brought forth that child that was to rule the nation with a rod of iron. The church is the woman. 
And what does it do in Revelation 13? He needs some help now, right? So what does the great dragon, the seven-headed dragon do? He recruits the beast, which is government, false prophet, which is false religion, and mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Every anti-Christian, earthly, sensual thing you can imagine is done in Babylon. And our world is totally given over to the God of this world. America is fallen. It's not going to fall. It's done. And that evil is permeating every aspect of our lives. From our government that is totally against the church and godly getting us everything out of the square, town square, manger scenes, you name it, even at the local level, county level, city level, Gee whiz, I saw last Christmas, it was the Illinois legislature. They did have a manger scene in their capital rotunda. Well, that's a good thing. Oh, they even had a Jewish menorah. And guess what they rolled in right beside of it? This huge statue of Satan. You think I'm kidding? Google it. Right into their own legislature. This big statue, this thing. I saw our, I'm not being political. I'm making my point. This is a spiritual th thing. I've seen Schumer and Pelosi high-fiving because they were fighting over this battle whether or not if you botch the abortion, now you have to, by law, try to save the child because it's out of the womb. And they fought that with everything they had. Let it die. The top of our government. And you know what looks down on the Congress from higher up? Picture of Moses. Moses, just like he looked down from uh, Mount Sinai, coming down, looking at they created an idol in Exodus 32, a golden calf. And they said, Aaron said, this is your God, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Moses looked down on their revelry and their party. They're coming down and Joshua said, Moses, there's war. sounds like war in the camp. He said, that ain't war. The people down there partying and just, just lost their minds down there. Moses looks down on our Congress from the center up there above. This picture, this statue, whatever it is, this mosaic of Moses' face, whatever it is, looking down. Same in our Supreme Court. He looks down with those tablets in his hand and sees where this country is going. I don't need to tell you what it's doing now in our government. Other governments, where it's the first thing you think that goes? The communist Chinese, you think you can walk around there with Bibles in your hands? We just came, some of us, from Vietnam. We still had to meet secretly and bring people up to the room in my hotel room. Chad did, Marlo did, two or three people at a time up to my room. We couldn't just bring everybody up to my room for the Bible study. Had a big room. Bach got me the biggest room in the hotel because we had 22 people in there. We had to do it onesie twosies, and we had to take them down onesie twosies. Well, group, little groups, three or four. Carolyn Barnett brought the ladies up. Little by little. We still had to do that. And this is 2023. Because that's a communist country. The beast. The false prophet. Mystery Babylon. They, I mean it was on. I saw it on the news. I don't watch what the heck is that called. When you, the, not the Academy Awards. It was something else. The Grammys. The Grammys. 
But they put this segment on the news because they're telling people, can you believe this? It looked like hell. It was filmed in red. These people are dancing and jumping around. They had horns sticking out of their head. And, and I think the name of the song they were singing was called Unholy. And everybody was cheering. They thought that was the greatest song they ever heard. And I'm watching it because they put it on the news to say, look at what they're doing. That was the Grammys. Not that I watched the Grammys. I'm looking at that. Uh, the whole entertainment industry is wholly given over. All the craziness that's going on, all the gender stuff, woke stuff. You see, when the demons are cast out, they go through dry places seeking rest. But when man does not want to retain God and his knowledge and they're suppressing truth and unrighteousness, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So people are without excuse because although they knew God, and we knew God here once, people don't want to glorify God anymore, nor are they thankful. They become futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts are darkened. Now, you realize what's going on around these people? The way they talk, they make no sense at all. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Kids don't have a gender anymore or gender reassignment, hiding that from parents. These things are being fought over all over the place. Do you realize when Moloch, they put those infants in Moloch's blazing red hot hands and burned those screaming children alive? That what we've done since Roe weighed 64 million, Jesus said seven times worse. Moloch couldn't hold a candle to what the United States of America is guilty of. Don't take my word for it. Google it. What I'm saying is in the public domain. And I'm not being political. I'm speaking to us as spiritual people. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, a spiritual host of wickedness and heavenly places. Do you realize that's never changed? That is a present tense in Ephesians 6. And we're seeing it. It's going so fast, I can't even believe it. In our government, in religion, I mean, forget it. Religion, you don't have, we don't have much rights anymore. I'll tell you what, it won't be long. They're passing laws all the time that we're being sur surrounded. If you're Bible-believing, we're being surrounded. All it takes is somebody to come down here, want to insert themselves in our space, and force us to take a stand about what our convictions are, and then it'll start. Oh, well, you know, churches have to be registered, you know, and if you don't hold to certain things, you can't get your registration. That's how they do it in other countries right now. I've had a lot of experience going to some of those places where that's exactly the deal. So they tell you you can't meet, and if you catch a meeting, then they arrest you because you broke the law. It's a catch point. You can't, can't get around it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, you know, those Gentiles, what they sacrifice to, 1 Corinthians 10, is demons. Demons. As I said, they've always existed. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 10, 19. 
What am I saying then, Paul said? Is an idol anything? Or what's offered to idols anything? Rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, not to God. I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Because, see, when people do not want to maintain God in their knowledge, going back to Romans chapter 1, God will do what? Verse 24, Therefore God will give them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve the creation, the environment, the EPA, rather than the creator is blessed forever. Amen. Do you realize you can get more trouble for killing certain little critters or bugs or moss out there than killing a human baby? You've heard that. I'm, I'm not making that up. You know that. For this reason, God gives them up then to their vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what's against nature. Likewise, men leaving the natural use of women, burning their lust one for another, men with men, doing what's shameful, receiving themselves a penalty of the air which is due. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gives them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with and all the stuff that you can read there, all kinds of unrighteousness, immorality, covetousness, wickedness, envy, murder, deceit, whisper. What a picture. If you don't want to retain God in your knowledge. Jesus made it clear when the Son of Man returns, Luke 18 and 8, I believe, will he really find faith on the earth? In other words, Jesus prophesied that the time will come the darkness will come back. When people choose, according to first Thess- or sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter two, starting in verse one, Paul said, making it clear, he said, Look, I'm telling you right now, that second coming is not going to occur until the great falling away. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the second coming he's talking about. And our gathering together with him. We ask you, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit or by word or by ladder, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. That day ain't going to come until the falling away comes first. And the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, if you read that carefully and read right on all the way over to verse 10, It starts out like he's talking about a man. No, he's talking about mankind. Mankind. The mystery of lawlessness, verse 7. He said it's already at work. The only he who now restrains will do so till he's taken out of the way. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given for the purpose of convicting the world of sin, unrighteousness uh, in this world. As the light of the gospel went forth, that's what people were coming under conviction. I'm reading some right now about how Christianity, what, how it changed the world. You'd be amazed what this world was like back, even just as far back as the Greco-Roman time. And what Christianity did to put value on women, on children, on people with disabilities, on old people. Hospitals, they didn't have hospitals in the past. Who's first started those hospitals? Christians. All over the world. Not here. But I digress. I don't want to go there. And then the lawless one will be revealed. When that, when the Lord, when that, remember, he comes back, finds a place swept, put in order. Because the light has left. The glory 
has departed from that house, that nation. And that darkness comes flooding back in. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, the dragon with power, signs, lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they, notice, it's not talking about an individual. Amongst those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they may be, uh, be condemned, because they did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's what's happening. It goes as the individual goes, the nation goes. And that's what's happened. It was prophesied. And it's happening all over the world, not just here. Until pretty soon, as Jesus said, so, when I come back, will I really find faith on the earth? It's kind of rhetorical, meaning the answer is embedded in the question. And the answer is no. Because of what Paul just said, the great falling away and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And we are lawless. Our cops are quitting Criminals are being let out right and left. They shove somebody on a train track. Before that person gets out of the hospital, that guy that shoves them on the tracks is already uptown shoving somebody else on the railroad tracks or some stupid thing. It's like, what is going on around? That's what's going on. And the solution for all, get in the kingdom of God. That kingdom will never be shaken. That's where we need to be. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians chapter 3. That's where we look to the Lord our Savior to transform our lowly bodies that it may conform to his glorious body. But we don't have to despair. The kingdom is here now. A person can be in the kingdom now. And because of the faith that comes that God gives us through the understanding of the scripture, faith comes by hearing the word of God. We get strength by his spirit in our inner man that even though we're in a world of tribulation, we can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world and so will we, is what he says. We have the victory that overcome the world, even our faith, 1 John 5. So we don't have to despair. Don't get worried about it. Kim Jong crazy, I saw he just shot another ballistic missile up in the air. You know, the Chinese are sending spy balloons. I mean, probably, you know, looking at making sure they got all our weapons field or our missile fields all checked out. I mean, so I let it go. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you're in Christ, that's where we need to be. Jesus said, don't fear them. <laughs> if they kill your body, they can't do nothing else. So for us to die is gain, Paul said. But if we hang around here a little bit longer, more needful for others, for their joy and progress of faith, and uh, we'll, we'll do that until he takes us out. Thanks for your attention this morning.